Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Solid Ground Church, where every week we share messages recorded during our weekly gatherings in Lewis, Delaware. If you have questions or if we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now, let's get to this week's message. Uh, let, me, let me tell you about what we're doing. So we've been saying, listen, in 2022, our goal as a church is to become a church that practices what we preach when it comes to the idea of spiritual gifts. We've always believed in gifts. We've always said that, like, yeah, like the Lord still gives gifts to believers um, as we read them in the scriptures. But we've just kind of, we've never really, like, been intentional about pursuing them, understanding them, training people in them, and what have you. And so our goal this year is to be going to step out in that and, and to walk in the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the church. And now, so what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks as we've been setting this idea up is um, we're going to look at a list of gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. It's not all the gifts in the New Testament, but we're going to start there. Um, And we're going to explain as best we can what each gift is so that we can be sort of united theologically uh, to have a better standing to to know what, uh, for goodness sakes, we're doing. So uh, if you have a Bible, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 is where we're going to start. And this is 1 Corinthians starting in verse 12, uh, verse 7, says this. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And just pause here real quick. We've been sort of uh, hammering this home every week. I just don't want any of us to miss it. Uh, this word that we're translating as, as manifestation is the Greek word phanerosis, and it means a disclosure or a revealing, that basically like what spiritual gifts are is they're revealing the Holy Spirit is there, that God himself is among the people. And so spiritual gifts are not talents. They're not things that we can sort of drum up within ourselves apart from Christ. They're supernatural evidences of God himself working among people. That's the idea of, of, of phanerosis, that it's a revealing that God is there, okay? So it continues. To one... There is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom to another message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. And those are the two we're going to focus on today. A message of wisdom, a message of knowledge, or uh, if you're a little more uh, traditional like me, you know them as word of wisdom and word of knowledge, right? Because the word that we translate as message there is logos. It means word, a, a, a speaking of, a, a telling of, that, that type of thing. Um, and so uh, let, me, let me just sort of set this up the right way. Um, so I came to faith um, in very, very charismatic circles, and, and, and really it's the only place I've ever heard me talk about words of wisdom or words of knowledge. And, and the understanding that I was given of these, of these two gifts right here went something like this. Maybe this is your background as well, and, and if it is, I'm not knocking anybody, okay? I always tell this, like, that when it comes to what a word of knowledge is, for instance, okay, like there's the gift of prophecy, which is about future things. But a word of knowledge is a supernatural knowledge about the present. Like, like you know things that you couldn't know through the power of the Spirit, I mean, in a similar vein, okay, so if you know something, what do you do with it? Well, that would be a word of wisdom. So like, like maybe God reveals, okay, here's a thing going on with somebody, and, and the word of wisdom I was taught was, you know, what you do with that knowledge. Here's how we begin to see life change and, and walk out in repentance or walk out in uh, seeing, you know, the Lord do something in somebody's life. This is how I, I was taught things. Um, now, here's the problem, okay? Anybody who tells you they know what a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge is, is wrong. And the reason they're wrong is this, because like 1 Corinthians 12, 8 is the only time these phrases show up in the New Testament. This is it. So everybody's guessing, okay? Like when it comes like, they're like, no, I know, no, I promise. Even if you think you know, you're guessing, all right? Like, like all of us, like, so if you go like, well, no, I've got the biblical understanding of, of a message of knowledge, a message of wisdom, or a word of knowledge, a word of, of wisdom. No, you don't. 
Like all of us had to sort of like, like piece it together. It's like a little bit of a mystery and try to figure out like, okay, what is the, like Paul talking about when he lists these phrases? Um, and, and, and so I'm gonna just tell you today, okay, listen, um, I, I, as I've studied this more and more and more, I, I'm gonna do something today that makes me really uncomfortable. Any other time I would be like, oh goodness, no. As far as I know, I'm the only person I've ever heard of who's gonna come up with the interpretation that I'm giving you today. That makes me really uneasy, <laughs> okay? But, it, but it's possible. So, so, um, so I want to just put a disclaimer out there from, from the jump. Here's a disclaimer. Uh, I could be wrong, okay? <laughs> All right? Um, and if it was anything like that, that had to do with more than, like, like than one verse, um, I would say, okay, like, let's try and go with how we've heard other people read it or not. But there's just so much speculation with these things. And let me just say this as well. Under this disclaimer of, of I could be wrong, here, two things. Number one, um, a lot of this is semantics. And so let's not divide it if my understanding of these gifts are, is different than yours, right? Let's not make this a thing of I'm like, okay, you, you've meet, read it to be a supernatural knowledge about the present, but I don't see it that way. Let's not go, hey, listen, you're a heretic, but I'm not. Right? None of that. Like, listen, we're all going down to what we think this verse is saying, okay? So let's not, let's not break fellowship or, or divide over something like that. Second thing I would say is this. Um, because this is so speculative on my part, I'm never going to go out of my way. If somebody comes up to me and they're like, hey, I've got a word of knowledge for you. I'm going to be like, no, you don't. Like, no. Like, okay, brother, sister, let's hear it. Let me pray through it, discern it, what have you. Okay, so all that to say, like, let's just exercise a lot of grace today because the truth is I could be wrong. But all that said, um, but I don't think I am. <laughs> I don't think I am. Just a heads up, I did my homework. And I think I got it right. Just, just so you know, I think I did. Okay, so, um, so all that stuff said. Um, so how do we figure out what's, what's going on? Well, I'm going to suggest two ways that we begin to understand uh, the, the meaning of this verse. Number one, what we want to do is see how Paul uses these phrases whenever we can in 1 Corinthians, right? This is what's called context. When you want to sort of understand what an author is saying through a text, what you do is you look how they, the author used that phrase or, or uh, verbiage in the letter that they're, they're using it in, right? And you sort of piece it as best you can with that. The other thing that I'm going to suggest that we do, and this is why last time I preached, I talked about this idea of how Jesus uh, is using spiritual gifts. Uh, we're going to go into the Gospels and, and, and the book of Acts to see that gift used in the life of the early church. I think that's the best way to do that because as I said last time I was up here, Jesus is our model for spiritual gifts. <coughs> He is. Like, if we want to understand what a gift does, as best we can, look at it in the life of Christ. Only gift, I'm, I'm off the top of my head aware of where we don't see that in the Gospels, uh, in, in Jesus's ministry would be the gift of tongues, and we'll talk about tongues uh, at length later on. Um, but regardless, um, what we want to do is we want to, like, use as Jesus, or use Jesus as our model. So we're going to look in 1 Corinthians, and then we're going to, if we can't find something in 1 Corinthians, uh, we'll, we'll see how the Gospels and Acts use it. So all that stuff said. What is going on? We'll start with the, the message of or word of wisdom. I'm just going to call it word of. I'm, just, I'm traditional enough. That's just what I'm used to calling it, okay? So um, earlier in Corinthians, some people, what they do is they say, all right, listen, earlier in Corinthians, Paul contrasts worldly wisdom with the wisdom of God. So he contrasts like how people understand power, how they understand life and salvation with the wisdom of God, which is the gospel in Christ. And it's here that I would say yes and amen, okay? But but that phraseology early in 1 Corinthians tells me that we probably shouldn't use that to determine uh, what he's talking about with the message of wisdom. And the reason is this, um, because in 1 Corinthians 12, his whole point is that everyone in the church has different gifts, right? Like, like the, okay, somebody's got this, someone else has that, right? Okay, well, every Christian knows the gospel. 
I mean, they do. Like, like the thing that, that Paul defines as the wisdom of God, which is revealed in Christ Jesus, is that Jesus has died for our sin and risen from the dead. You can't be a Christian and not know that. And so I think it's unlikely that what he talks about with that kind of wisdom earlier in 1 Corinthians is what he's getting at with this idea of, of, a, of a message of wisdom. And so, okay, if, if that's not what we're going to do, what I'm going to suggest we do is jump into the Gospels in the life of Christ. I think, I think we do see some, some things that would indicate what's going on there. Um, and so let me sort of set up this story. Um, we're we're, we're going to start here in Matthew 22, because actually in Matthew 22, there's a few different uh, ways that Matthew... Uh, highlights this. Um, so this is a story of Jesus being, like, like there's this group called the Pharisees, they're opponents of Jesus, and they're trying to trap him in his words. And this is what uh, happens in Matthew 22, starting in verse 15. It says, then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Uh, Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Verse 17, tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? And this is a brilliant trap. Let me tell you why. I mean, this is just like insidious, like this question that they're asking him. Because if he says, yeah, go ahead and pay taxes to Caesar. Well, the the Romans are there. They're occupying uh, Israel. They're occupying Judea and Jerusalem. And they're really bad people. Okay, And so if Jesus says, yes, pay the Romans, then he's going to instantly lose all of his followers because they'll view him as having betrayed God and their people. But if he says, no, no, don't pay taxes to Caesar, what will happen is the Romans will take him as a, as a, a riot leader. They'll come and arrest him and they'll remove him from the picture. So Jesus is faced with a no-win situation here. If he says, yes, he, he's in trouble. If he says, no, he's in trouble. So what does he do? Well, so look at this, verse 18. But Jesus knowing their evil intent, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? In other words, you don't care about the answer to this. You're just just trying to get me. Show me the coin used for paying the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he asked them, well, well, whose image is on this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. He said then, so he said to them, so give back to Caesar what's Caesar's and to God what is God's. Look at verse 22. And when they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. Let me just clarify something about what's just taking place there. They're smart, and then there's this. I mean, his answer is so incredibly brilliant that professional religious debaters leave away in silence. That doesn't happen. And what Matthew goes out of his way to explain, like, like a few times in that same chapter, is that this happens a lot with Jesus. Look, you can jump forward to verse 34 of the same chapter. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, another professional group of religious debaters, the Pharisees got together. So listen, like the Sadducees and the Pharisees, like when he talked to them, they just, they couldn't say anything. They just, uh, what, right? Like you jump forward to ver- verse 46 of the same chapter. It says, no one could say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. So that they've just completely shut down. Again, like Matthew, like he just wants you to see this. And so like earlier in the gospel, he talks about a moment where Jesus goes to his hometown, a group of people who know him. But this is post-baptism. This is post him being empowered by the spirit. Because remember that we said like, listen, the the Son of God chose to empty himself and choose, or God's Son chose to empty himself and act in the power of God the Spirit rather than his own power as God the Son to model to us the life of, of a believer. So look at this. This is Matthew 13, 54. It says, coming to his hometown, 
he began to teach the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. But look at what they asked. Where did this man get this wisdom? Wisdom, it's the Greek word Sophia, same words in 1 Corinthians 12. This wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Now, let me clarify. These are people that have known Jesus his entire life. They already knew he was smart. I mean, he's been displaying that since he was a kid. But no, this is something else. Like, he's operating in such a way that they're going, where do you get this, this wisdom and, and these miraculous powers? Like, it's, it's so outside of how human beings can do things that just stops them in their tracks, and they're kind of like, uh, 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 what, what's going on? And I would suggest to you that that's what is the meaning of this idea, this gift, in terms of a message of wisdom. It's a communicating of wisdom in such a way that just confounds people. And by the way, this doesn't stop with Jesus. We find the Holy Spirit, when he's given to the New Testament church, they start to do the same thing. Okay, and like, so for instance, okay, you, you've got this story in Acts uh, 4 where, where Peter, like giving a response to the Pharisees who are questioning the name that he's preaching and he just so masterfully brings up scripture and like just so clearly points Jesus out to be the Messiah that this is what the people's response is in Acts 4.13. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. In other words, the, like they have no explanation for how these guys are able to say what they're able to say and do what they're able to do. And all they can do is just conclude, well, well these guys were, were following Jesus. That's, that's the only explanation they have. Again, we see like this with, with Paul later on in the book of Acts. Like this is how it's described of Paul as he becomes a New Testament believer in Acts 9.22. It says, yet Saul, who became Paul, grew more and more powerful. And look at this phrase, and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Baffled, he, be he bewilders them. They're just like, what? And I, I want to say here that that's what I think word of wisdom is. And when it comes down to it, um, and here's just my working def definition of it, and, and if you want to take notes, you can write this down. A word of wisdom is a communication of supernatural wisdom that defies human intelligence and capacity. Okay? Because again, phanerosis, it's a revealing that the spirit is there. People, people can't do this. This isn't a thing of like, you know, I'm really good at something or I'm a really great philosopher within myself. No, this just goes above and beyond what a human being could do. So again, it's a communication of supernatural wisdom that defies human intelligence and capacity. And I've seen God do this. I'll give you an example. So, so the, when I was in seminary, this is about like the most cliche pastor story you can give, okay? When I was in seminary, I took a class on prayer. All right, like I know like that right there is like that's everything I thought nerdy pastor school was. I know, okay, but I did this class on prayer, and it was, by, uh, it was taught by a guy named Moon Jang Lee. And in our class, um, like, like we talked like through like some of the great writings on prayer, and we discussed and, and practiced different ways to pray. It was really, really neat. But I don't know if you guys had this in school or not. In, in, my, in my school, um, there's always that one guy who thinks that his intelligence is a gift to the class. You know what I'm talking about? There's, like, he's always there, right? Like, he's always like sitting in the back and like when he raises his hand, he doesn't even raise it, he just kind of goes like this, like that. You know that guy you're talking about? Right? As though like his intelligence so much, his arm is weighed down by his brain smart. So he's just, you know. All right, we had that guy. And man, I could not wait for him to shut up every class. All right? One night, one night, um, we were talking about speaking in tongues. And I knew, oh, this guy's gonna have something to say. And sure enough, he did. And so he raised, or half raising. <laughs> Professor, Lee, Professor Lee looks at him and he's just goes, he goes, yes. Because Professor Lee was always, like, very kind and godly and very, very sincere to him. And he goes, well, aren't you worried that uh, people are going to, 
maybe lose control and kind of be wild and chaotic if they practice this. And Professor Lee looks at him and he goes, and he just goes, are you worried that will happen to you? <laughs> right? <laughs> and the guy starts, like, he starts to stumble. I was like, oh, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, hypothetically, that could happen. He goes, no, 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 no hypothetical. Are you worried for yourself that that's going to happen? I've got to tell you, I don't see that for you. All right? <laughs> he shut up the rest of the class. Like, like, never again, like, piped in, okay? I'm watching this. I'm like, surely the Lord was in this place, and I did not know it. Like, what? It was amazing, all right? What was that? I think that was a word of wisdom, where the Spirit just came. But here's the thing, okay? It built uh, Professor Lee up. It built us up, because we were like, okay, yeah, like, there's something to see what he's been saying. I, I would say even in that kind of rebuke, it built my brother, my arrogant brother in the Lord up, because it shut him down. And, and listen, I, I, I've been around a lot of smart professors, but I've never seen that. The person always has something else to add. And I just, I think that's what's going on with this idea of, of uh, a word of wisdom. What it is, is, is this sort of supernatural communication. And it's always a communication, right? Because word of, it's logos. It means like it's speaking forth, like something is coming out that says something to someone else. Okay, so that's what I think is behind this idea of, of a word or message of wisdom. Let's talk about uh, word or message of knowledge. Um, typically, what people do is, again, they conclude that a word of knowledge is a, is a revelatory thing, that it's sort of like the God, or that's God speaking to someone um, something they couldn't have known. And, and, and it's typically cited, like within the Gospels, well, Jesus knew things all the time that he, that he couldn't have known. And we would say, yes, he absolutely did. Um, but where I think we become in error is we differentiate it from the gift of prophecy, which is also a, a revealing and a disclosing, a, a special revelation from God. Um, and so people will say things like, well, listen, prophecy is predicting the future, and a word of knowledge is knowing things in the present. And I, and I get how, how we get there. Um, I, I would just argue that I don't think there's a New Testament precedent for anyone understanding uh, those gifts that way. So for instance, um, as we go in the Gospels, um, there's a story that's in Luke 22 where, where Jesus, when he's on trial, right, and, they're, and they're, there's the, the centurions, right, and they're, and they're striking him. Remember that story? Um, and they say to him, like, because he doesn't see who's hitting him, and they just say, prophesy who hit you, okay? So their understanding there would typically be that, listen, like, no, like, if you're going to have a supernatural knowledge, they would call that prophecy. Same way uh, you have the, the Samaritan woman. We've looked at the story of the woman at the well in John 4 a bunch, right, where Jesus, like, he, he spiritually reads her mail, right? So it's like, you know, listen, you've had five husbands, and the guy that you, you live with now isn't your husband, right? And you remember what her response is in John 4? She goes, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet, she doesn't go, sir, I think you got a word of revelation for me or word of knowledge. No, she doesn't say that. And you go, well, listen, yeah, but that's, 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 a, that's an ungodly person and a Samaritan whose theology wasn't that good. Yeah, but I would also just argue that Paul's usage of the phrase, like when it comes to the gift of prophecy and prophesying, he, he gives credence to this idea that that's not a word of knowledge either. I'll give you an example. So back in 1 Corinthians uh, 14, um, this is how he describes what's going on when people are, are prophesying. First Corinthians 14, verses 24 and 25. He says, but if an unbeliever or inquirer, you know, a seeker comes in while everyone is, look at this phrase, prophesying, not giving words of knowledge, prophesying. They are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their heart are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. And so what's he saying? Okay, like you have somebody who comes in and they're people who are prophesying and what's in their heart, their secrets or what have you. Well, that's not a future thing, not like a God, like God tells them their destiny. That like, no, no, like, like who they actually are, things that the people couldn't have known. They will fall down and exclaim that God is really among you. 
I think that's his understanding of the gift of prophecy. I do. And so, and so I don't think it's right to sort of lump uh, the word of knowledge into that. Again, we go, okay, so, so what is it? And, and some people, what they'll do is they'll say, well, it's the knowledge of the gospel. It's the knowledge that Jesus has died for our sin and risen from the dead. And anyone who believes on him receives salvation by grace through faith, right? The problem I have with that kind of interpretation is that is a every Christian thing. Like every Christian has to believe that Jesus died for their sin and rose from the dead. Otherwise, they're not a Christian. And the, and the context for that phrase in 1 Corinthians 12 is that each people has a different gift. And so it's something unique that somebody might have but somebody else might not have. And so what is it? Well, I think the key to understanding what it is is actually found in 1 Corinthians, a chapter later in 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul, he says this, and we'll start in verse eight. He says, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is, look at this, knowledge, it will pass away. So he differentiates between the two. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is, what is in part disappears. And what he's talking about is the return of Christ. Like what he's talking about is, listen, okay, one day Jesus is going to return, right? And when he does all these gifts that he's been using to, to build up and edify the church, they're going to go away. Like, like why, why won't, won't there be prophecies anymore? What, what are we going to prophesy? Jesus is here. The kingdom has been fulfilled. Like, it's in, it's in culmination. Why won't there be tongues? Well, because there, there's no point in sort of having this, whether you take that as a prayer language or whether you take that as like a, a, a superseding of, of language barriers. Well, the church has been united and brought together perfectly in Christ. Like, there's no need for it anymore. And within that vein, he says this idea of an even knowledge will pass away. Okay, well, then it can't be like a general understanding of the gospel because that's never going away. It can't be that. So what is it? Well, continue. Verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, and this is the key, really, really focus on this verse. For now we see uh, only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I, and look at this word, know in part. And this is right after the conversation, it's still within the, the conversation of spiritual gifts. Okay, I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And the word that we translate here as know is a derivative of the Greek word gnosko, same as in back in chapter 12. And what this word means, we translate it as knowing or knowledge, and it can mean all kinds of different knowledges. It can mean a factual knowledge, like, you know, like I know the Falcons have never won a Super Bowl. It stings, but I know it, okay? All right? Uh, but it also can mean a relational knowledge. Like, I know that person. Hey, like, like here, there's, there, there, there's uh, my, my sister-in-law Megan back there. I know her. There's my friend Greg. I know him. Like, like okay, like, I, I, it's, it, and it goes beyond facts. It doesn't like it's an experience. Like, we've, like we've hung out. Like, what, like we, we've, we've played video games together or what have you. Like, like it's, 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 it's a factual but also a relational knowledge. And I think, I think what, what he's getting at here is this idea of knowing God. Be, because in a specific way, all right? Because what he's been saying is this. Like, okay, right now, everything that we know about God is limited. But one day I'll be, he says, right? He says, I will know fully even as I am fully known. In other words, my knowing of God won't be limited by the capacity of this temporary, flawed, dying, earthly body. The, the kingdom will be in full culmination, and I will see him fully, just like I'm fully known. Okay, so what's the idea with this message or word of knowledge? Well, here's what I think it is. Um, and if you're taking notes, write this down. 
A word of knowledge is a communication of personal revelation about the character, actions, and heart of God. That's what I think it is. Like it, it's, it's, it's really just, we'll keep it on the screen for a second here because I want you to write that down. It's a communication of personal revelation about the character, actions, and heart of God. And it's a telling of it to somebody. It's that sort of moment of, okay, you know, I spent time with the Lord in prayer. I mean, he just taught me this thing about, you know, knowing him or about his heart. It doesn't add to scripture. It's not unique, but it's a very, like, personal application, right? Like, you've had that moment where, like, maybe, like, out of prayer, like, like the Lord just taught you something in your heart or somebody else was telling you about, like, something where they spent time with the Lord and he just showed them this thing about himself and you're sort of built up by knowing that. It struck you in a way that you hadn't thought about it before. It encouraged, it enriched, it blessed you. I would say that's a word of knowledge. By the way, I think this is what we see uh, when Jesus talks about knowledge in the Gospels. I'll give you some examples. In, in Jesus' uh, famous conversation with Nicodemus, where we have John 3, 16, you know, like, for God so loved the world, like that whole most famous verse in the Bible. This is what he says in that same chapter in John 3, 11. He says, very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know. And we testify to what we've seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. In other words, hey, I'm just telling you what I've experienced with God because Jesus came from heaven, right? I'm just testifying to, to the one that I know, what, like what we know. Again, uh, Matthew eleven twenty seven. 27, Jesus says it like this. He says, uh, all things have been committed to me by my father. No one, look at this, knows the son except the father. And no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. How would he choose to reveal him? Well, this could be a reception of the gospel, and it could also be what I would call a word of knowledge. Again, John 1.18, Jesus says it like this. He says, no one, or sorry, John says it like this. He says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, okay, so we're maintaining our Trinitarian theology, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And I think that's what a word of knowledge is, like in the church today. So, you know, you've had this experience. Like, I mean, my goodness, like what happens? Sometimes somebody preaches, right? And, and they get up and they tell you, like, you know, I really felt like the Lord said this for me or for our, our church. And, 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 it, and it's, a, it's a special sort of unveiling in a way that blesses the heart of the believer. It tells us about who God is. I'll give you an example. Um, so this past Friday, um, I was reading... Uh, uh, a book on theology. I was sitting in Starbucks for a while. And, and as I'm reading the book, man, I'm just gonna be really honest with you. I felt very, very down. And the reason I felt down was because it was talking about sort of the grandioseness of God, how huge he is, right? How small we are in the sum of human existence. I don't know if you ever thought about, welcome to church. Let me tell you about how small you are and how much your life is just here and then gone, right? But like, but that, I mean, I'm just reading about this. Like, like we're a blip, right? Like, you know, like we're here, then we're gone. Like, is the world even really that different for us having existed? You know, like think about like, you know, if you sort of stare up at the stars at night, how big the universe is, how small you are in comparison. You know, I'm sure you never thought about that. But I was, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, dang, man. I just feel like I am such an insignificant speck. And as I'm thinking about that, the Holy Spirit just so gently, just tenderly spoke to me. And he just went, not to me. Not to me. Hmm. What is that? I would say it's a word of knowledge. Listen, does the Bible tell us that we matter to God? Absolutely it does. And any spiritual gift will operate in conjunction with and submit to the scriptures. 
Like if it contradicts the scriptures, it's not from God. But it's a personal application of it. It's a word, a communicating of knowledge. This knowledge being relationship with God in a way that blesses, builds up the body. So all that stuff said, what do we do? Well, how about we pray? Like maybe, maybe for us, like this is new information, and so maybe what we gotta do is we gotta pray and go, like, Lord, uh, is our brother Bert off? It's okay. Or hey, Lord, do you wanna bless us in these ways? You know, maybe what we do is, like, hey, if this is brand new, man, I want that. Praise God. I, I really believe that you can't have a desire for a gift unless the Lord places that, places that desire there. So maybe for us, it's just like, what we need to do is grow more in words of wisdom and words of knowledge so we can bless each other and we can bless the community. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? So let's go to the Lord together and we're just gonna pray. Heavenly Father, we seek you in this moment. Lord, we ask you to raise up within us uh, words of wisdom and words of knowledge. Use us to bless each other. Use us to bless the community. And Lord, if there's any area where I'm off, please forgive me. Um, if there's any area where we disagree, that's, a, like, that's fine. But would you please let our hearts still remain united um, so that you know, we're not always going to agree about everything but we can still love each other very well. Let's keep doing that. We submit it to you now in Jesus' name, amen.